Welcome to the Young Money Diet Podcast, episode two in this season. Today, Raj and I are in a really, really good mood, so we want to spread some love and cheer and talk about why we should live below our means. But as always, first, we're going to start off with a hot take. So my hot take today is back in about 100 years ago, so in the 1800s and the 1900s, it was really charitable and it was seen as a very good behavior if you were nice and kind to poor people because you had the opportunity to be sort of rude and obnoxious to them. And if you chose to behave well with with people that were living in poverty or people that were in socially less affluent than you, then you were seen as the type of person with moral character and dignity. But today, it's no longer acceptable to do that. So everyone treats everyone with the relative amount of respect, except for the, the demographic that gets no love, which is rich people. And I feel like that's really my hot take. Like if you're just going around and always just ragging on rich people for having wealth or dehumanize them in some way, I feel like that's not really a good sign of moral character. So someone who treats rich people who are the poor people of today in terms of, you know, social credit with some dignity and, and in the same level as you would talk to your friends or family, I think that's a good sign of moral character more so than treating your peers or poor people equally. What are your thoughts, Raj? That's pretty interesting, actually. I've never thought about it in that context, especially from the past to now. I, I definitely see that either a capitalistic or just rich mindset uh, is sometimes demonized for sure. Like, you see, you see, yeah, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking because, because if on the surface, it's easy to judge that individual that they're exploiting people. Um, and that's, you know, the Karl Marxist uh, viewpoint potentially, but, but it is interesting because um, you don't see all the background. They've put a lot of, you know, if actually in a book I'm going to reference later for the episode, uh, it talks about how majority of wealthy people actually didn't get it inherited or win the lottery. They've actually built that wealth. And I think that's always neglected um, to, to think about those. Those individuals took risks and they've been rewarded for the risk. But you also don't see the individuals that took risk and failed. Uh, it's really hard to start a small business. Um, and so, yeah, we only look at people that are successful because those are the ones that became rich or famous or whatever. Uh, but anyways, we'll jump in. So today it's it's relatively simple. So I will we'll have Raj kind of talking you guys through why living your below your means is important. As always, we're going to try to provide an opposing perspective. So today I'll have the job of kind of walking through as to why it is maybe not so hot or so passionate to always just think about delayed gratification. Sometimes you you know sometimes you just gotta have a little bit of fun. So I'll I'll walk us through that. And then towards the 10 last few minutes, we will just combine our thoughts together and talk about what we actually believe in. So Raj, why don't you start off as to why we want to live below our means? Yeah, so this is a topic that I think has been talked about uh, in the last decade. And you see now individuals going to more minimalists and they're, it's the cliche thing to say, live below your means, don't spend more money than you're actually making. Uh, but I want to take it a step farther, and it's going to be really interesting to hear the other side and the other perspective of why maybe it's not such a good idea to always live below your means. Um, but for me, one thing that always comes back to me is, and I can't say the swear, but it's basically to have FU money. And that's all what Nassim Talib's Nassim book, Skin in the Game, 
So I'll reference this. I just re read it. It was a little bit of an interesting but hard read. Um, but it all it talks about asymmetries in life, and uh, the big one is that we are. But majority of people work for an employer, and the people that have true skin in the game are the ones that are capable to say how things really are. And if you are always living paycheck to paycheck and you're handcuffed to your employer, you will always toe the line. And so a big proponent of living below your means, we can talk about the investment and some of the diversification um, and some of the practical areas, but just looking on the surface is if you have FU money, you will do what suits your best interests or the collective best interest or what makes the most sense from an ethical standpoint as well. Whereas if you don't have that capability, um, you're always living paycheck to paycheck, you're going to be at the mercy of your employer. You're always going to be trying to keep your reputation. You're going to be trying to toe the line. And maybe you're making decisions that are not in the best favor for the collective or an ethical dilemma, but just to impress your superiors or to move forward in the corporation. So that's one thing. If you live below your means and you can... Um, you know, fire, fi financially independent, retire early is a big movement to saving as much money as you can so you don't have to work. Um, and we can talk, we can get into that as well and, and what that looks like. But just on the surface, if you've got enough money and you're not too worried, um, if you've got other income streams and you've built up a good asset base, you are willing to take risks and you're willing to take a stand, whether that's not just work, but in general, you're willing to take a stand and do what's right or do what's best in your own interest. So you can be a little bit more selfish. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So in some ways you're trying to say like, look, we, if we had, if we were not fearful of how we're going to earn our money, we could always be honest without having a filter, without having to think about the repercussions that other people will see and that will affect our job or X or Y or Z. Um, uh, that, that makes sense. And uh, anything else you want to kind of talk about in terms of why we should always live below our means? Like what are some, what are some benefits to it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think when you hear the cliche live below your means, you're thinking that Brittany and I are eating just rice and beans and beans and rice. You know, that's what Dave Ramsey says, but it, it's a lot more than that. So if you live below your means, you have the capability to invest in your future and, especially now with corporations moving away from defined benefit pensions, uh, more either divine contribution or just no pensions in general, it's becoming that much more important to make sure that you're following a budget and you're putting money away, whether that's 10% each month, and you're being, you have that capability to just have that money because if you're always living paycheck to paycheck and you need to borrow and then my furnace breaks, you're in a panic and it creates anxiety. And if you've got that financial independence because you're not splurging every month or you're monitoring your budget, if your furnace goes, it's not such a burden. And there's a lot of emotional gain um, from reducing your anxiety by having an emergency fund, by having liquid assets that you can use in, in case your car needs a $3,000 repair. Um, you're not scrambling now to borrow high interest line of credits or loans or, you know, drive your car and put it even to a worse state. So one thing I do want to clarify on living below your means, and then I'll let you give kind of the, the, the flip side of it also is to go back to the rice and beans. You know, I'm not saying that you can't spend money on anything. Um, you know, I'll use avocados and kiwis as an example, very expensive here in Canada, but for Brittany and I, you know, we like to splurge on those. And so I think 
it's just picking what is important to you. Um, you know, I would rather wear black shirts that are no brand. Um, I don't know if people watching the podcast have noticed I have the same shirt on every single time. This is what I wear to work. Um, I'm not into designer clothing. I'd rather spend that extra money on some of my assets, investing uh, through my TFSPs, RRSPs, registers accounts, but then also, you know, spending $2 on a ripe avocado, um, which other people at the grocery store might say, oh, that's too much money. But then they're trying to save 10% on, uh, on their car payments or something like that. So it's definitely just picking your own battles and what's important and what living below your means means to you. I think for me, the underlying theme is just minimalism and only buying things that really bring you joy. No, I, I love that. So I just have to provide like a opposing perspective here. I think we, we have to, YOLO in a lot of ways gets a, gets bad rep, but in some ways delayed gratification isn't all that it, that it's made out to be in the sense that I'll, I'll talk through it. So I feel like when we're young, we have some time in our hand, we have our youth, we can do whatever we want, but we don't have the money to do it. When we're in the middle, we might have the money. We still have our physical health, but we don't have the time to do it because you might be a parent. You're trying to figure things out. You're putting time into work. When you're a senior citizen or later down your life, you might have the money, but then you don't have the luxury of time and you definitely don't usually have the luxury of health. So it never lines up. There's never a perfect time. So I think sometimes it's nice to be able to actually splurge and get some things that you really do care about. And what I mean by that is you could genuinely there by no means, yes, the average age in a country like Canada for men is probably 80 years. But at the same time, there's no guarantee you're going to live to 80 years. You could genuinely die tomorrow. Like we could, we could go for a drive. That's one of the riskiest things you can do because it's beyond your control. Someone else can hit your car. So at the same time, to always just think about the future and the future. We all either live in the past or we live in the future. So it's important to be living in the present every once in a while, treating yourself if that's really what you want. Like if you want a, you want a handbag and you've been kind of saving up for it for a long period of time, just go for it guilt-free. That's sometimes I do give myself a way out to be able to do that. Um, time value of money is also really important, Raj. I know you're a CFA level one candidate. You're going towards level two. So I, I hope you appreciate this argument. But basically, you know the money you have today is worth the most as it is today. Because tomorrow, a loaf of bread is going to cost more. Ten years from now, a house is going to cost a lot more. Ask any of our Torontonian listeners. If they were in 2010 versus they're in 2020 or 2021 today, their money is worth nothing compared to what they could afford in terms of real estate at that time, right? So just to be able to save up or grow your money over time, like we, we get really skewed in the sense that, hey, like, if you just save two or 3% from your paycheck every single month, you're going to become a millionaire in 35 years. That's a fact. Compound interest doesn't help work in your favor. But what's a million dollar worth in 35 years? Million dollar might be a Toyota Corolla money in 35 years. So make right. sure you understand the value of money today because it's all a relative. It's all, all a imaginary concept. So many, money only has value because we place value in it. So let's spend some of that. Um, it, you mentioned one of the lines, I like the black shirt, like, you know, we, you have the opportunity to be able to go to like work in uh, black shirt and chinos or jeans or whatever. Right. But specifically, a lot of people don't have that luxury. They might have to have a workplace yeah. attire, like you're in a bank, you, you're in the finance industry, you get to look the part, you get to put the suit and tie on, you're in law, real estate is one that gets screwed. Cause you could start your real estate business. And if you don't have that Cadillac or, or that luxury car, you, are you going to buy a house from them? I might not like, you know, so, what I mean? so, so, so I, that's actually a, an interesting perspective that I've actually challenged myself on and heard. 
is, um, you know, if you're a doctor, investment banker, lawyer, you kind of have this image to uh, live up to. But the real estate agent one is a great example because sometimes it's a lot of young 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds just getting started. And it's true. Um, I wouldn't want to be picked up uh, in a shitbox that I drive. Excuse my French, sorry. But one of the cars that I drive would not probably be acceptable for a real estate agent to show up in. And then you've got to get yourself set up with suits. And so definitely it that creates a dilemma by, below living for low, living below your means because you've got to invest in those things. And I am not a proponent for fancy cars, but I, I do understand the other side of it that you can't always get away with driving beaters like we do because sometimes that you have to live up to the status. You have to look um, successful um, to somewhat be successful, like fake it till you make it kind of principle, right? And it, it applies to certain uh, professions a lot more than it does for hours. Most times engineers kind of get away with it because you and I are in the type of job that it isn't as big of a deal in terms of how we dress is how we present ourselves right um and a couple of like one other thing i really want to mention too is um it's it's kind of the philosophy is rooted in stoicism like you you really only can worry about things that are within your control right so for example let's say you do everything correctly you save up you pay yourself first you're investing in your future but there is nothing that says that there couldn't be a situation like what happened um, in, in Greece or even in Spain between 2010 and 2012, where their unemployment yeah. rate was 40%, 4 to 0, not 14. So it, if that kind of inflation hits you, all of a sudden your money becomes worthless. Like in the World War II, I think there was a portion of time in Germany when they were burning money for creating fire because that's literally how little it was worth right they couldn't do anything with their bills so what i'm trying to say is there is something to be said about not just only worrying about the future yes there's that's something we all have to do we get that but at the same time it doesn't you, you can't just only think about everything and just penny pinch on every single situation you have to live in the yeah. moment and actually realize hey like maybe i can do some stuff with my money today that the same amount of money won't allow me to do even a couple years from now so let's just get it done um so that i just wanted to provide that perspective because we always have um kind of a skewed variable there but now i guess we can sum up our thoughts like talk about what we actually what, what we actually want to say so anything you want to add raj or yeah so we'll we'll transition into some of the practical senses so i think wasif i mean you've argued the other side and there's definitely lots of merit towards it and it's definitely there's no clear-cut answer there's no cookie cutter where it says you should only save every penny you make and invest there needs to be a balance between living below your means being a minimalist but then also uh, you know rewarding yourself buying things money like you mentioned with uh, money now versus later money now has the most utility because exactly i know what my five dollars can buy me right now i don't know what this five dollars is going to be able to buy me in a year from now or two years from now um so i can guaranteed get uh a dozen eggs and a, a loaf of bread right now but in in five years the utility has decreased or a, or a loaf of bread not both for five dollars right uh, yeah 100 percent. so I, I i wanted to provide some uh, practical examples you jump into raj when you can think of in terms of how you and i live below our means i think that's important uh we mentioned cars so always okay we are very vocal opponents of taking on car payments do not do yeah. it the only time you should take on car payments in your life is when you have so much money that you can just like 
lose $50,000 in a given year and it doesn't even make a dent in your bank account. And of course, we're nowhere close to that level. So we just buy used cars. It's not even, and I would even argue like we have kind of over time gotten a little bit better as like you we probably started with one with just like an, uh, no aux and then we got an aux cable. Now we're in the Bluetooth life. So basically next yes. one's going to have like a car player or whatever. So treat yourself a little bit and upgrade every time, but you don't have to just go crazy. So that's one example. But, I but I, and exactly to the car points, because I remember when I was 16, 17, 18, you know, we're buying our used cars and I look back to those cars and I thought, holy, those were just rust buckets. But it, it, yes, my standards have increased because I'm looking for a little bit more reliability, but that's a lame excuse. Uh, I always hear people say, oh, I want to buy a brand new car. I don't want to deal with uh, the reliability issues. But I've also adjusted for how my ink, my lifestyle has increased. My, inc my income has increased. You know, I've, I'm graduated now. I'm almost a professional engineer. And so, yes, it might look like I'm spending more money, but I'm really just slowly adapting. I'm not going to lie. Everybody wants to drive an Audi S5 or, you know, people want to drive nice cars. And I'm not saying that if you drive a nice car, that's not a good thing. I mean, I would love to drive a Tesla. That's my dream. And uh, maybe one day, but just right now, it, it's not a priority for me, especially working from home, not even using the vehicles. So uh, another practical strategy I have for living below my means is, and you hear this all the time too, is pay yourself first. And what that means is, Put your money, because you'll get paid a certain amount. So let's just make it easy math. Let's say you get $2,000 after taxes from your employer. You can automatically allocate that money to different places. So I'm a proponent for having a couple different bank accounts because then it's detached. So you have your main funnel where your two grand comes in, and then you could pull, let's say, okay, I'm saving up for something I want to splurge on. Let's say I want to go on vacation and I want to go to Mexico. Okay, that's $1,000. You can put $200 a month automatically allocated to a different account. And then in five paychecks or five months, you're going to have your goal. And that's an easy way to adjust yourself to getting used to that lower budget. Because when that two grand comes in, all of a sudden it only looks like 1800 to you because that 200 is still yours, but it's gone somewhere else. And so once you've got everything allocated, so your main expenses, food, utilities, rent, mortgage, etc. Um, take that off because that'll already be automatic. And let's say you had $700 left. Actually, let's say you had $500 left. Okay. So $1,500 for all of your basic needs. You can now use that $500 for whatever you'd like, but it's, yeah, it's better if you take, if you move that $200 over, then it only looks like you have 300. So if you're a spender, at least you'll only spend 300 and you're still paying yourself and saving something that's detached that you're not looking at all of the time thinking you should spend it. And I'm going to, I'm going to do one big one and then we'll do a whole bunch of rapid fires just to give people some ideas and we'll close off the episode. So a big one for me is, uh, is groceries because everybody has to buy it. Everyone has to, you know, spend certain amount of time. So a couple of practical things that um, I've tried, you have tried as well is always go in with a list. Do not go mm -hmm. in, in the hope of window shop. Number one, it takes a ridiculous amount of time. Uh, if you, in sometimes we don't value our time, Raj, which seems like it falls through the cracks, but if you're taking 
two, three hours to do your grocery shop is taking too long. So just go in, have a clear cut list of 20, 30 items, and you can have some flexibility for produce or something like that, of course. But then you, and, and go to the same store every single time. So you know exactly where things are. You're going to go there. You're going to pick whatever you need to pick up. 45 minutes to an hour, you're in and out. Like that's really what I'm looking for. Um, a couple of really, I guess like a pro tip or a life hack I can think of is now in Canada and, and in North America and generally we have the ability to be able to do grocery pickups. So what it allows mm-hmm. us to do is we don't have to waste time anymore. And this is something that has happened to me three times. So I, I encourage people to try it because it could happen to you as well. If your items are above 25 to 30, what ends up happening is two to three items throughout they can never find. So let's say you want like a grass fed yeah. butter. They can't find the brand you're looking for, but they have to give you an alternate. Mm-hmm. Whenever they do that, like at certain point, they give you some credits for your inconvenience. So, so to speak, you're going to get like a $15 credit for not being able to find like two items that weren't on your list. And if you even if you're paying $5 for a pickup, which is what it is in Superstore, you're $10 ahead anyways. You've spent no time. You have not overspent on anything because you couldn't even window shop on a website. And you're like, you're done. You just go in, you pick it up, you're home in 20 minutes. It's absolutely bliss. So go into the same store, go in with a plan in terms of a to-do list, try online shopping if you haven't tried before. And then the last one I could, I could sort of recommend along those lines is just to simply um, see like whatever combination of that works, like go on a weekday more so than on a weekend. Cause weekend just takes longer. Yeah. Um, uh, things aren't as good over there. Cause there's too many people competing for the same product. And at the same time, um, your grocery, hopefully like the cash checkout lines are longer as well. So a couple of really quick fire ones I'm going to mention, you can jump on after. So yeah, definitely don't use, um, food delivery services. Terrible idea. Call the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. You beat me to it. So I was going to, yeah, you're still my thunder. So skip the dishes, Uber, uh, great companies. I'm not, you know, advocating against them, but I know, I know people that, uh, spend a lot of money, um, on takeout. And so from a health perspective and a financial perspective, try to challenge yourself to delete those apps for two weeks and learn how to cook, learn some skills there. Uh, another, another one I fall trapped to, and you mentioned the grocery stores is if you are finding you're overspending at the grocery stores or anywhere, um, try for a month to do the Dave Ramsey envelope envelope. And so pull, if you get paid $2,000, pull it all out in cash and allocate it to into envelopes, um, for your budget. So if you only budget $300 for groceries or food, you're much less likely to go spend $30 at a restaurant if it's the beginning of the month because you need to really be strategic on how you want to spend that 300 And if you find that you're pulling money from other brackets, then you can readjust as you go along. But you're less likely to um, spend more as much money because there's that pain receptor when you're actually exchanging physical money versus just swiping a card and you don't know how much you're spending. So that's another good strategy. And then last thing... Sorry... Uh, yeah. So last thing I want to mention, um, is just Instagram versus reality. Um, everybody's got their own circumstances, their own income, um, their own values, and don't compare yourself to other individuals, your age or your friends, or because you don't know how they got to where they're at and you can't judge a book by its cover. So one last book I'll mention is the millionaire next door. And this is a great resource to talk about the statistics of what millionaires look like. I mentioned earlier, a lot of millionaires um, didn't inherit or didn't win the lottery and they built their own wealth. And so there's some good strategy in here. And the main theme is live below your means. So 
Um, don't always judge a book by its cover is what I'm trying to say. 100%. And I just got a couple of really, really quick ones. The one that's personally piling up for me, subscriptions. We have too many. We have I have Amazon Prime, Spotify, Crave, uh, Netflix, a whole bunch of them, right? So just like look for the ones that you actually use. Cancel the rest of them. That's number one because that's reoccurring and it doesn't even hit you when that money is leaving your account. Most people don't know. Second one, shop around for common things like car insurance. Don't just pick, just go to your bank because that's the first one. Do the work once and it pays dividends for the next five years because you're not going to buy a car in the next five years, right? So shop around some for, for products like home insurance. Um, look for the banking that makes sense for your situation. For some people, that could be tangerines. For some people, it's major banks. But whatever your situation is, spending a little bit of time doing these kind of things, pay dividends over time. So that's that's all we wanted to talk about today. I, I don't have anything else, Raj. So um, thank you for joining. Thank you for listening as always. And uh, remember to stay hungry. And and stay humble. Bye-bye.